Abun de Boschmaya Nitkadashma Te te malkuta Nehwe sebiana Aikana de Boschmaya Af baraha Hablan lachma de sunkanan yaumana Washbuklan haubain Waktahin Ai Kanadaf Khan Shpokan Habain Ula Dahlan Nesiuna Ela Batsan Ming Bisha Amen. Our One Absolute Eternal Being of which we are born forth from the realm of the all and the only. I am empty within the awe of your presence and the purity of your name. Empower my creative beingness through your expansion from the ever-present realm as I realize our strength and virtue as one. On the manifest earth as in the unmanifest realm, Provide the nourishment of your insight and realization through me and in every present moment. Release my hidden past as I cancel my past concerns with others. Do not let me lose my true self in forgetfulness, but wholly release me from the errors of my perception. For thy realm is the absolute, the all, and the only and our strength of virtue and magnificence. From cosmic gathering to cosmic gathering, from age to age, may these be the rooted earth from which all of my actions flow. Amen. Holy Spirit within me, living in wholeness, moving in joy and love, I surrender to your will. Bring the radiance of your light into my heart and mind. Merge with me to manifest your will upon the earth. Make me a conduit of your infinite knowledge. Amen. Blessings, beloved, and welcome back to another episode of the God-Led Mystics podcast. Today I'm going to be covering a topic that has been in my frequency, very actively with my clients um, and students. I've been supporting a lot of women on this topic, and I kind of wanted to create a podcast to unpack some of the realities of this work. So, Um, Before we begin, I want to open the space with a prayer. I know we open with the Lord's Prayer, but this is important for this work. So I want to invite you just to close your eyes if you can, if you're listening to this while you're driving or you're taking a walk, then you can just put your hand on your heart and come into your breath. I ask that Holy Mother God and Holy Father God be present with us now. 
I ask that the divine light of God be present with all of us now. I ask that this light transcend all time, all space, all reality, and wrap whomever is listening to this podcast in divine light and divine protection. I ask that as we open this space and talk about this work, that everyone is protected on their walk. I ask that the sword of truth is placed in the hearts of all of those whom are listening, creating the electric blue field of protection, wrapping those who are listening in the thousands of angelic wings, May all beings be divinely protected, divinely loved, and divinely nurtured. Amen. Okay, so I am a little bit superstitious. Um, Maybe that goes without saying. (laughs) And I'll explain all of this, of course. So today I want to talk about uh, psychic attack, entities, etc, etc. And I want to, first of all, set the background of this work, because I don't advertise these services. My exorcism work is just done in session. I always know when people need the removal of an entity in session, And once it's removed, there's a process that follows after that. Um, But I don't advertise these services because exorcism is a temporary solution. If you have someone coming and removing entities from you constantly, then there is a schism within your relationship to your energetic field and your relationship to your higher power, your higher self, etc. It might sound harsh for some people to say or to hear, I mean, but the way that entities work is they come through either holes in your auric field or patterns, thoughts, feelings that you give rise to. So first we have to kind of understand how our world works. Obviously, we're in the third dimensional reality. If you look out into the world, you see physical things. However, we do know that there are light spectrums that are not available to our eyes. So if you imagined that you put these glasses on that allowed you to see through these light spectrums, 
you would begin to realize that there are beings that live within these different spectrums of light or dimension, if you want to say that. On this planetary body, we are not the only sentient consciousness. We probably know this to be true based on you know, our relationship to angels and animals and plants and insert whatever here. But we live in a world that we can't see. This is the spirit world. There are tons, I want to say thousands, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of beings that exist in spirit that we cannot see. So you think you're walking through, you know, the supermarket, but you could actually be walking through thousands of beings that exist in the supermarket. At all times, there could be beings of all dimensional spaces and vibrations surrounding you. This is why a third eye awakening can be extremely intense if you open the ability to see what's there. I'm digressing, but the point is, is that there are lots of spirits that are constantly surrounding us. Some of these spirits are neutral, some of them are positive, and some of them are malevolent. I don't want to say negative. Um, they're malevolent. Entities can be many different things. So there are people that, you know, are committed to studying something like demonology, and they're really interested in learning, you know, the names of demons and their archetypes and yada, yada, yada. I'm not interested in that. Why? Because... I believe that when you know something's name, you invoke its presence. And I've begun to notice that there are kind of like categories of entities. So there are categories of entities that have certain shapes. Maybe they're ancestral. Maybe they're self-created. Um... And I, I'm not going to get into that because a lot of that doesn't, like the details of these things don't really matter. They only inform my practice of my work and entity removal. So the point that I'm trying to make here is, is that there are people who are trained in technicality in, in in technicality with exorcisms and this type of stuff. I don't really think that's necessary in my work because it's pretty easy to get rid of entities on your own if you so choose to. So let's break a little bit of some of this down because it might sound a little nebulous right now. Let's start with psychic attack. So I have talked about before, maybe not on the podcast, but 
on my Instagram, you know, there are three types of curses or there, you know, there, there's a way that we can curse people. You can criticize, condemn, or complain about them. This is a curse. When you talk negatively of someone else, you are placing negative energy or malevolent energy into their field. You invoking their name, seeing them in your mind, and then going off to talk shit about them is a form of a curse. So when I need to... how do I say, um, discharge my drama and I'm doing so with the intent of getting clear, I always ask that they be held in light and I ask that any words that I say be transmuted into blessings for them. Because truthfully, I do not want to be responsible for harming them and as an energetic practitioner, it's really important that I practice this and I don't always say it out loud Uh, usually I say it in my head and then I discharge but um, I want to give that you know as a practice because it can be hard and we forget the power of our words the power of our energy And some of us have strong spiritual energy. Some of us have strong spiritual ancestors. And not all ancestors are good people (laughs) or good spirits, I should say. Some of them will fuck with people. My grandfather, when he was, you know, a spirit in my house, he would mess with people if he didn't like them. And it didn't really bother me, but I did see how it could be really intrusive and malevolent if this was something that, you know, was actively happening with harmful intent. So you want to really be sure to consider the words that you're saying about people and the energy that you're sending to them. Like I said the three ways to curse people is to criticize, condemn, or complain. This will lock people into certain energetic patterns, both within your own energetic relationship and in their own energy field. So this is a form of a psychic attack. Another psychic attack can be, you know, actually wishing them harm, actively wishing them harm, actively seeing negative things happening to them. I don't think that there's a lot to say about this because maybe I'm wrong. I want to I want to believe that the people that are listening to this podcast are somewhat energetically responsible. And by that I mean they are taking responsibility for 
their energetic participation and how they treat themselves and others. But I also could be wrong. So we have to get really clear on the ways that we're thinking about people, we're talking about people, and the ways that we're cursing people. That doesn't mean that your anger is not justifiable or your disappointment or whatever emotion here, just that you're not acting energetically responsible for their harm. I hope that makes sense to you. I have learned in the last five years that praying for your enemies or who might be considered your enemies or people whom have hurt you is the most liberating practice. This has completely shifted my life because it made me realize that vengeance is kind of a silly human trait. Praying for people creates an opportunity for my heart to heal. And I've seen it work wonders. I've seen it work so many wonders that I can't even explain. So anyway, there's psychic attack towards others. It is also entirely possible for you to attack yourself and to be psychically attacked. So again, the thoughts that you think about others, the energy that you're sending them, those can also be reversed and sent back to you. Yes, there are some really malicious people out there in the world, and they, some of these people can be really powerful and send a lot of manipulated frequencies your way. This can, of course, be a psychic attack. Sometimes psychic attack looks like negative thoughts, harmful thoughts, horrifying dreams, um, things going wrong in your physical life. That kind of gives me the chills to talk about it. Oh, mostly because I've seen some really horrible things happen to people over my time in this work. Um, I've worked with some people who have just had some really horrible incidents come through psychic attack and curses on them. And I want to remind you that we are in an eight year. I know you probably know how I feel about the Gregorian calendar, but it, it still is a collective frequency that we're working with. And eight is the power of Saturn. Saturn will fuck you up. Like if you are being negligent with your energy, you're going to get fucked up this year. And I mean that with so much love. If you are actively cursing people, attacking people, going through the kill, you are going to pay for it. It is not going to go unnoticed. There is someone watching you. That someone are spirits. 
and those spirits don't play. You also don't know who you're messing with when you're working with certain people. So like I said, some people have very strong ancestors and really strong spirits that protect them and they also don't play. But in an eight year, things get boomeranged back. That's just how it goes. So again, I hope all of you who are listening are energetically responsible, but I want to remind you (laughs) that if you're not, to please not play around. Please don't play around because the spirits are not going to be playing this year. We have war and illness and financial collapse happening because of the collective consciousness. Until people wake up to the reality of spirit actively and their own internal works, we are going to continue seeing this collective chaos. So that's another thing that I want to just say about the eight year. Anyway, I'm going to keep going here. You can cause yourself psychic attack. That is something that has to be stated. You can choose certain frequencies and states of being and thoughts to metabolize and spin out on that create a psychic attack. You can become your own entity. So what happens spiritually is you start as a psychic attack and then as you spin out on thoughts, you create an egregore or an entity that is now larger than you. And you can do this yourself. This is something that happens. This is something that happens a lot more common than people want to admit. A lot of people want to say that someone else has cursed them or they've been cursed by an entity. But let me tell you the truth. When you act fucked up, you receive it in spirit. That's just how it goes. And I, again, I don't mean that with blame. I don't mean that with shame either. If you are choosing to indulge in heinous thoughts, heinous feelings, if you're choosing to spin out on certain ideas, you can create an entity that will terrorize you. And who is responsible for that? You, my love. You are responsible. And also, even if someone has cursed you, someone has sent an entity to attack you, you are also responsible for that. This is how responsibility works. Most people that are playing in malevolent entities typically have some sort of energetic signature. And by that I mean there are often red flags that are involved with working with some of these people that people often ignore because of something that they desire. Entities and psychic attack feed on desire. If your desire for something is more powerful than your relationship to God, 
you are susceptible to being manipulated and illusioned. Again, I know that some of these things that are being talked about can be hard to hear. Sometimes when people desire something, they might energetically bypass the alarm bells or the red flags that they see from certain people or places or practitioners. So I wrote an article a couple months ago about false light teachers being exposed in the community. And I actually was inspired by a woman who has a pretty big wave in the spiritual community, but I know who she is being controlled by, and it's not God, well, because God doesn't control, but also I've worked with several of her clients to deconstruct and release them from the hold of this entity. Now, I guess I've been on this journey for close to 10 years. I've been, oh my goodness, I started this journey placing a lapis lazuli on my third eye and being like, open my third eye. (laughs) So I have been actively working with um, my energy field. And even before then, I used to see spirits and I could hear spirits and I could smell them. It wasn't all the time. It's not like I go into a grocery store and I see them. Um, They are, it's mostly like when they allow me to, if that makes sense. There's a bit of a difference between seeing all the time and seeing when someone wants you to. So anyway, the point is, is that I guess I am a little bit more energetically sensitive. And whenever this woman would pop up, in promotion, you know, on Twitter or Instagram, she just didn't feel right in my body. And then come to find out, she had been doing some really horrible practices that she is outright about. Of course, this is not about her. I'm just kind of using this as an opportunity to flesh out what I'm talking about. So when I've worked with some of these clients on deconstructing, um, you know, the control, the energetic and spiritual control and psychic attack that she has sent their way, I've asked Now, maybe I should say I've pointed out or reflected on the points where she was actively saying, you know, I do blood magic rituals. And I was asking, well, if you feel weird about that, why didn't you leave them? Now, that's not to blame them. This is to ask the question, if this didn't feel right in your body... Why did you choose to override that? Because that is a very important question to answer. If something doesn't feel right to you, why are you overriding it? You have to know why you're overriding something in order to reveal why 
it's okay for you to bypass what your body is expressing to you. What I have found, and again, this is not in any way a reflection of her clients specifically or the the people that I've worked with, but what I have found is that people often desire what someone knows and are willing to bypass their state of comfort or their, um, their state of, you know, alarm, I guess, because it's really not about comfort. Everything that we do, excuse me, in this world is about expanding our capacity. But what I have discovered when, you know, I've worked with clients that have worked with these malevolent magicians, I call them, typically they they believe that these malevolent magicians have something that can transform their life. And so they're willing to bypass or second guess this discomfort about them in their body. And yeah, when we desire something so bad that we're willing to override in an energetic alarm system, then we create issues for ourselves. I have seen many times people bypass their, you know, now I want to pause and say that again, there's a big difference between bypassing your comfort level versus knowing that something is fundamentally not right for you. So, you know, for example, this malevolent magician openly states that, you know, possession is okay. And they're involved in blood magic rituals. And (laughs) they do blood sacrifices. When you read that and you think, oh my god, I could never. Why would you bypass that to work with them? Because that energy is participating and is, is in relation to the work that they're passing forward onto you. Now, again, when a practitioner is pushing you to your edge and encouraging you to expand beyond what you're comfortable in, that's far different. If you feel or you have a fundamental space of trust and mutual respect, that's far different than seeing that what they do is fundamentally flawed, right? So when it comes to desire versus your relationship to God, the issue is is that typically when this happens, we have an overactive root and a closed crown. So when our root is running amok, we 
are overrun by our material desires. And I want to say first and foremost that there's nothing wrong with having a life that is materially plush. Um, many people have, you know, <clears throat> souls, soul contracts or soul agreements in this current paradigm to have a type of lifestyle. Some people are designed to make a lot of money. Um, or some people are designed, you know, to live a really luxurious lifestyle. And so this is not about, you know, having material wealth versus having nothing. 99% of my teachers are pretty well off. I'm going to put it that way. Um, they don't struggle necessarily. Uh, and that's also not strictly material. So when the root is running amok and the, the crown is closed, what you're experiencing is this, the insatiable desire of the worldly body. And this creates hungry ghosts. That's just how it goes. The desire and the want to and the festering is something that can create energetic entities that eat at you. This is why, you know, we can understand our own hungry ghosts and feel the hungry ghosts of longing that we have. When we balance our root and our crown with the healthy relationship to God, then we realize that there is a way to balance your desire with surrender. So this is my point of overcoming an insatiable desire. When you are willing to surrender to your own divinity and the relationship that you're holding to God, you realize that there's a much bigger plan than you just wanting a million dollars. There's nothing wrong with wanting a million dollars. In fact, I believe that you do need a certain amount of money in order to make, uh, you know, a certain impact if that's your decision. If you want to be, you know, a monk chanting in the cave, that's also fine. But many of us are operating in the material world and therefore need the resources to do so. So, um... When you work on your relationship to God and you allow God to provide for you, you begin to realize that your desires are always answered. Your wants are always answered in a better way than you could even imagine them in your room. And that's a truth that many of us don't access when we are working with just the root, because it's very self-focused. It's very, you know, related to me, mine, and what I can do for me versus recognizing that you're part of this larger network. Now, <clears throat> I've kind of gone off on a tangent here, but the point is, is that when we desire something so bad 
that we're willing to bypass our internal knowing or our integrity system, this is when we get ourselves into energetic trouble. And, you know, I've experienced this. I have said yes to people when I should have said no. I have agreed to participate in things that I really should have said no to. And then you could consider it like a psychic attack because it was an energy drain. It was like, you know, the people that I said yes to, that I should have said no to, became vampires. And whose responsibility is that? Mine. Because I really should have just honored my integrity and I should have known to just say no and hold that no. Um, And it's also fine (laughs) because it taught me a valuable lesson and it, it, you know, reminded me of places that I still had to work on my field in. So entities and attachments whether someone has cursed you or not, it's still ultimately your responsibility to take care of that. So the first way that we can begin to really begin to clean this stuff up is to consider, you know, what are you involved in? A lot of energy is circulating in places like the internet um, and somewhere that I think that is very unsuspecting is fighting with people on the internet. When you choose to get involved with arguing with people on the internet about what you believe to be true or why you think they're in the wrong, you actually open yourself psychically to attack. You open your aura to people jumping into your space and again arguing with you about whatever. This is a form of psychic attack. It might not be one that we think about very often, but it's it's extremely prominent and it's also really porous. So when I started my astrology business, I actually started making a bunch of videos for TikTok. And I noticed that when I would post a TikTok, I would be extremely tired. And I ran an experiment. So I used to post a TikTok maybe like three, three times a day to one. It would be at least once up to three times a day. Excuse me. I'm clearing. Um... And I would feel absolutely drained. So one week I stopped posting to TikTok just to see how I felt and my energy came back. So then I posted again to TikTok to see how it felt once more and my energy levels dropped significantly. So I realized that my putting my work and my energy and my face on TikTok was actually taking from me. This is a form of energy harvesting based, you know, I can't say for sure if it's the people, but I definitely think it's the app. Like, the egregore of TikTok is an energy harvest. (laughs) Which, if you're on TikTok, whatever. But, also... (laughs) 
know what you're participating in. All of us working on social media. Oh my goodness, I'm clearing. Excuse me, I'm not tired, I promise you. Um, all of us that are, are u- that are utilizing social media are actually contributing to energetic egregores that are used to energy harvest. Because the way social media works is based on participation. You know, they boost people based on if your content is holding people to the app, right? So, um, yeah, that's it's a very interesting paradigm that I'm talking about because I've really considered all the many ways that I can get off of these apps and, oh my goodness, I yawn when I'm clearing energy. So it's very fascinating to be having this experience right now. Um, one way that I have considered moving some of my content away from energy harvesting is something like podcasting or even Substack because it feels it feels more genuine and less fast-paced. Like this content lives here and it is accessible 24-7, which is the same for Instagram, but most people don't stalk um, people's social media anymore. Like I, I go through podcasts, I sometimes start all the way at the beginning of the podcast and check out all their episodes, you know, so there's that, and then I've also considered what's my impact to my community? How do I want to show up and do work here? How can I move my work offline and begin working more in person with people? Oh my goodness. Excuse me. <sighs> okay, so psychic attack is very real. It's not made up, and there are tons of things that you can do for energetic protection, right? So like I said, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to be working on yourself every day. I know that can be exhausting sometimes, but (laughs) your practice doesn't have to be three hours long. Your practice can be five to 30 minutes. Now, some of my Taoist teachers might disagree that you need, you know, a certain amount of time to drop in, but I really just think even showing up to your altar with prayers or working your beads um, one to three times a day is extremely effective. So the best way that we can starve entities and attachments is to our relationship to God. Now, it's very simple. The reason why I don't offer exorcisms as a part of my services, but do it in session, is because removing an entity is only step one. Step two is keeping them away. You keep them away by not allowing them to be in your field. Entities cannot stay in your field if you are experiencing a certain resonance. 
This is why I said earlier that the thoughts that you think, the emotions you participate in, the um, you know the states of being you're willing to live inside, all contribute to entity attachment and psychic attack. Now, I would go so far to say that this also includes the media that you consume via, um, you know, movies or TV. It's like, <laughs> so stupid. I loved Desperate Housewives, but I recognize like every time I would want to watch Desperate Housewives, I also want to act stupid like them. And I actually noticed this very prominently when I was invested in Mad Men. When, many, many years ago, um, like in 2015, I watched Mad Men. And I thought it was a pretty good show until I realized that it was making me paranoid of men. I was dating a guy at a time who was really... He really wasn't great anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but watching Mad Men didn't help me um, because I was convinced that he was always cheating on me and I couldn't trust men and you know anytime I watched it I started to think like men are shit I don't trust men so I had to actually stop watching it right so again what you participate in I think this also includes like war movies um, you know if you're sensitive enough to your energy body, you know exactly what you should be ingesting, what you should not be ingesting. And this also includes, you know, what you read on the internet. Now, we live at a very turbulent time. We're experiencing a lot of war on this planet. Um, we're experiencing a lot of atrocities that are happening. And I don't I'm not saying this to bypass what feels true or what you know what you're experiencing, you know, when you read this stuff. But if you're reading this stuff in order to keep yourself in a certain state of being, then that's a problem, right? Um, I definitely know that I can only read a little bit of one thing or another about the various wars that are happening around this planet and also what our government is doing and how they're participating without sending myself off. So this is not, I'm not bypassing what I feel. I cry almost daily about what feels wrong in my heart, in my body. And I also use that in prayer. I pray for these people. I pray for the United States citizens to wake up and, you know, I won't finish the rest because I'm on a recorded line, I guess, but um, I pray that the citizens of the United States remember that they're responsible for overthrowing tyranny. <laughs> and I pray for people to have courage to stand in their integrity. And I pray for the hearts and the bodies and the souls that are actively experiencing war and all the atrocities that come with war. I pray for the people that are okay with genocide because 
how you know how would they feel if their if their family was in that right so um i can't read a lot but i can pray and i can have honest conversations with people about how i feel and i can also pray to the mother i know i said that already i feel like i feel just very sad about what my role is in all of this stuff and I don't mean to get in there right now but um yeah I I just want to say that because it's a lot different looking at what's happening on this planet versus indulging in media that is just really created to hold these states of being active in our consciousness, right? At least I believe that to be true. And I could be wrong. Um, God, I do a lot of praying to the mother, sorry. <laughs> um, where was I going with this? Your relationship to God is your best defense for staving off psychic attack. Now, again, like I said earlier, you don't need to have some elaborate plan on how to connect to God. You can pray the rosary. You can ask your divine fractal to fill your body. You can ask God to wrap you up in golden white light of protection you can you know you can ask god to show you where you're going something that i do when i'm deep in desire myself is you know i ask god to deliver what's really necessary for me and to purify my desires because my humanity knows very little about the overarching plan. The Prince of Egypt was my one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, and the song Heaven's Eyes, or Look Through Heaven's Eyes, I think is such a good representation of how little we actually know to be true. So the song, you know, talks about how, yeah, we're just one piece of a larger puzzle, and we have to look through heaven's eyes to see how our thread makes the whole tapestry. So my desires, some of my desires are just because I want them. I want to experience them. And some of them, you know, are based on my divine knowing. And I, it's okay to have desires and also... I want to let God fulfill what's necessary. So, um, because I can't let the desires run amok, right? We see this often. My goodness, I hope I'm making sense. It's, it's kind of hard to sometimes talk about this topic because really the best thing that we can do is pray. The best thing that we can do is learn sacred sounds and sacred chants and choose not to engage with certain states of being. Um, 
what I have seen, especially from entities that have been passed down through ancestral lines, is that there's usually a common denominator that the entity exists in. So I worked with one person whose entity was passed down kind of um, through addiction, and every ancestor in the family had a form of addiction that they um, they were involved with in their whole life. And it was passed down to this client. And, you know, this is, like I said, an ancestral entity that that can only exist when we're locked into these patterns. You know, entities also exist in the contracts and the agreements that we get involved with either pre-incarnation or in this lifetime. So, you know, another one that I've seen is like I worked with a woman who had a life on another planetary body and she had a contract with entities that you know, didn't want her to succeed, basically. So she had, every time she had an expansion, this entity came forward. And she had to work very diligently to stay in her God fractal and, you know, explain to this entity and to this contract that she was going to succeed no matter the odds that were against her. This was many years ago, and what I know now, I would be interested in exploring if that contract was able to be modified or redacted, basically. But, um, you know, some, some people really come into this life to learn how to overcome obstacles. And souls all have a unique expression of their growth. So some people really do learn through hardship. Some people really do experience struggle as they succeed because their soul has to learn how to overcome these obstacles and stay in alignment with its eternal truth. And your soul is God by nature. So staying in your soul, staying in your God fractal, is having a relationship to God. This is why it's so important to override old programming. So, you know, my, my ancestral story is maternal anger. And I will get to certain states of being where I feel completely accomplished and I'm succeeded. And then there's that other layer of anger to be processed and worked through. So my work with the Holy Mother and the, the mothers of my line is to reprogram every layer of my peace, excuse me, every layer of my expression to be peaceful um, and to be in a state of active surrender, uh, being willing, you know, to 
lay down what was once passed from my mother's, my foremother's, down to myself, which I actually think that was control. If, you know, my mothers could be angry, they could feel like they could control something. Um, and it's not a real sense of control. It's actually an illusion. Illusion. So, um, anyway, I'm digressing. But the point is, is that We are completely responsible for our spiritual health based on our willingness to relate to God, to relate to our God fractal, and to be in alignment with the states of being that we desire. Exorcisms are temporary solutions if the problem at hand is not addressed. Now, typically, when I do a session with someone and I remove an entity, I can give them homework and assignments on overcoming the particular issue at hand. And it's fascinating because some of my clients have done really well at keeping entities at bay and then I've had others that you know come back a month later and it's returned and I know that they're not doing the work and that's not a judgment or to elicit shame but I don't do multiple entity removals because I have to see that someone is willing to do the work. If they're not, then they're not committed to the transformation process. I need, maybe I shouldn't say need. I feel most aligned with people that are committed to the transformation, not to staying stuck in their story. Your stories and your states of being keep you open to attack and entities when you are opening yourself to that. Again, it's very simple. Anger. Anger is probably one of the best things to allow entities in. Fear. Fear is another one. Um, sadness can definitely be one. And that's not to, to make you feel like, oh my God, if I'm sad, you know, what's going to happen? No, it's not like that. It's if it's perpetual, if it's living in certain states of being, um, it, it feeds those entities and it, it actually makes them stronger and it takes more and more of your energy away to um, battle them, I guess is the best word. But what's stronger than that is prayer. And many people might have a weird relationship to God, and that will have to be addressed. Because God is single-handedly your biggest ally in this work. Something else that works is sacred sound, which can be 
um, oh goodness, uh, chimes, bells, sound bowls, sacred chants is another one. So, um, seed syllables, whether that be in Hebrew or Aramaic or Latin or Sanskrit, you know, whatever you desire is totally fine. And I, you know, you can pray and then you can also work with these chants when you begin to feel. So something that I used to do um, many moons ago was when I was villainizing RJ, I would chant a Shiva mantra because I know that Shiva will consume what I'm willing to offer. So um, it would always calm me. I would take a walk and I would chant my mantra and then everything would be okay. That might sound like a temporary solution, but it's not when it becomes autopilot. I'm to the point where I pray the rosary in my sleep. I will dream the rosary prayers. <laughs> or I will dream sacred chants. And... Um, I find it to be kind of funny because sometimes it's like, whoa, when I wake up in the morning, I'm just, I'm feeling a little bit spun out by <laughs> all the prayers, but, um, it's fascinating because it's, it just feels like a night full of prayer medicine and I wake up and I'm like, oh goodness, where have I been other than prayer land? But, um, it becomes instinctual and automatic and when you... When you close your eyes and imagine your force field, you can actually feel the inscription of your prayers all over your force field. And you can imagine that your prayers are a shield, basically. Now, you can also work with your ancestors. Um, that's also a very viable option. I... Um, I did, I have worked with clients whose ancestors were very specific about, you know, being their line of defense, but it's not something that I would just generally say, uh, because a lot of people like in the United States are actually separated from a huge layer of their ancestors. Oh, excuse me, I'm clearing again. <laughs> So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people who have no idea who their ancestors are and it can be kind of nebulous. So, you know, if you're in psychic attack and you have no idea, then unless we were working together and your ancestors were like, we are here, <laughs> I would still say, go to God. God is the most powerful. And then God has, like, legions of support that can help you. There are dragons of protection, angels of protection. There are divine spirits of protection. Oh my goodness, I'm clearing again. My patron deity is Sekhmet. Sekhmet is epic at protection. And she's fierce. 
Um, but I also work with Mother Mary, who is just as fierce in a different way. Um, you know, I pray to Holy Mother God and Holy Father God, and I ask for these two to really be my defense system. And then I live in integrity to the best of my ability to keep vampires and entities away. Oh goodness, excuse me. And, um, yeah, I used to be kind of afraid of doing these sessions because these entities will visit me. Um, I removed, I removed a demon once. And I can tell when they're demons versus, like, entities. I don't know how to explain that, but you can just, I don't know. Entities usually work for demons. And demons usually are connected to this larger malevolent network. But the point is, is that I I worked with a client whose demon, um, it would torture her at night. And uh, when she was sleeping specifically... It would send her one particular nightmare in, um, over and over. And when I removed this entity or this demon from her, it actually, like, came to me and started to replay the nightmare that she had, but while I was in the session. And I was like, this sneaky bastard. It was the only time that I had ever felt a sense of fear in this work because it was doing exactly what it was designed to do. And so, of course, I had to get rid of it and put it out. Usually, if someone has an entity attached to them and they work with me, it will come visit me and um, yeah, make an appearance. But they have no power here. So that's another part of this work is that you have to recognize that they have no power. They cannot be there unless you agree to let them be there. So at some point in some reality, in some time and space, you have agreed to let them be there. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to the original point and say you can't be here now or I, you know, I revoke this agreement, but you revoke this agreement in real time. So when an entity comes to visit me, I'm like, mm, you gotta go. You're not welcome here. Uh, and I used to live with someone who had several entities all around them. And they would try to come into my room at night. So every night I had to banish them. But I couldn't banish them completely because they were attached to the person that I was living with. Uh, and they were giving them the agreement to be there. So I could banish them from my space. And, you know, when I'd walk down the hall at night, they would follow me and I'd have to banish them from following me. So revoking consent is also a really powerful way. Um, especially if you have, like, entities that show up just randomly, more or less. Um, but revoking them when you do have an entity attached to you is also really important because you can say something like, you don't have any power here. You gotta go. 
and then change the behavior that's associated with the entity that's trying to eat you. A lot of these entities really love mind games. So they're like little worms in your brain and they plant little seeds that they know you'll germinate and fester on and then respond to. So keeping your mind as as pure as you can, as best as you can. That doesn't mean you can't have negative thoughts, but that means that you don't fester and spin out and circle and, you know, fall into the abyss of that cycle. Oh my goodness, I'm clearing. Okay, um, that's where the power is. That's where your transformation lies. That's where all of this work gets its sacred purpose, is changing the behavior, keeping your mind on the divine, keeping your mind on your own sacred god fractal, and revoking consent from anything that wants to eat you. Like I said in the beginning, it is your responsibility. It is your responsibility to be spiritually wise. And it's also your responsibility to be energetically discerning. I, Like I said, I wrote this article um, where, you know, we have to walk away from malevolent magicians. There is nothing a malevolent magician can give you that someone, a better practitioner, can't. We have to walk away from these people. Because what's happening, you know, is that they are being fed by your attention. And that's not how it goes. Oh, goodness. My work is with God. My work is with answering to God. My work is with moving with God's wisdom. If you have a hard time connecting to God, then you can start there. If, you know, many people have a hard time connecting with God because they've been given God the Father, not God the Mother, well then, connect with Mom. She's there for you, too. I promise you. Um, You can also work with Gnostic prayers or reading sacred texts. You know, you don't have to be a Taoist to read the Tao Te Ching. You don't have to be a Gnostic to read the Apocrypha. You don't have to be a Christian to read Psalms. I think Psalms is full of really powerful prayers. Um, but you just even absorbing that is, is really powerful. It's so funny. I might sound really funny when I say this, but I feel like listening to the audiobook Conversations with God is also like one of the most brilliant ways to absorb the protective love and prayers of God. <laughs> I listened to that book. And every time I read it, I'm just like moved by the love of God and the joy of God. So there are tons of ways that you can connect to God. 
And the, the way that you know most that you're connecting to God is when you feel love and bliss and joyfulness. God is nothing other than that. God is not fear. God is not doubt. Sometimes the experience of love can elicit fear and doubt. But ultimately, you should feel that love. That love is so protective. And it brings you into a state of being that allows you to, yeah, starve entities that want you to be angry. You know, lots of stories of our masters are actually tamers of demons. Um, And they teach demons how to be in the love of God, which is very fascinating to me. I think that that is applied to the human psyche very often. You can actually turn what might have eaten you before into something that works really divinely for you. And I also think that that's part of this work as humans on this planet. I think that by being on this planet, we are here to learn how to return back into the love of God and to turn what once, you know, harmed us into alchemical gold. So I don't want to go on to this too long. There's a wonderful book that I like that I started with early in my days. Um, It's a psychic protection book, and it does give you, like, um, tips and tricks that do, that are psychically protective, um, you know, like salt circles and stuff, which is fine. Um, I guess, like, my idea is that you can't, You can't, like, live in a bubble of salt for the rest of your life. I like the book. Don't get me wrong. The book is great. It's a great resource to start with. It was some of my first resource that I started with when I began, like, dipping my toes into the world of spirit. But the point is, is that those are just additional bonuses. Smudging and salt and, uh, you know doing protective wards is just the beginning. What actually makes that work is your relationship to the divine. So I hope that helped and I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and I hope that you received something wonderful. If you have any questions, you're always welcome to reach out to me via email or drop a comment on this podcast. So without further ado, I am sending you so many blessings and love on your journey. May you be divinely protected by the Holy Mother and the Holy Father forever and ever.